Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 32. It is the first week in December, and this is our pre-PRI show. Um, I am very, very excited for uh, PRI to get here. Of course, it's held in Indianapolis and, um, you know, makes it easy for me. I do not have to make a trip, uh, but uh, hopefully all of you are uh, going to make that trip and uh, excited to run into some of you when you're here. But uh, I have um, uh, was out last week, as you know, so we didn't have an episode last week. I took a little vacation. I went to the Bahamas. Um, and I do, I did what I always do, which is start talking to people, uh, trying to get to know their story, kind of figure out how people operate, um, what their operating system is. And so I get in the taxi cab and, um, I start asking my taxi driver, uh, his name is Sherman. I just say, Hey man, um, you guys have a drag strip on the Island. I knew nothing about, uh, any drag racing on the Bahamas and he says, yeah, we have uh, the Bahama Hot Rod Association, which is the track. And um, so I figure out pretty quickly that he knows what he's talking about in terms of drag racing. He's going to build himself a 632 big block Chevy. And I start talking to him about what cars I have. And he realizes pretty quick that I know what I'm talking about. So immediately we were best friends. And um, as I kind of scooted around the island for my different things, I had a chance to catch back up with Sherman. He was fantastic, and he um, made a point to take me out to the drag strip. Uh, They race on Sunday nights um, on the Bahamas at the BHRA, the Bahama Hot Rod Association. And it was a Sunday night, and it was motorcycle night that night. So it was a little bit crazy. There were uh, lots of people running around there, uh, playing music, hanging out, and then they essentially opened up the drag strip for uh, these, uh, you know, kids mostly to just run their motorcycles up and down the drag strip and do wheelies all the way up and down of it. So, um, pretty cool opportunity for those guys just to get out and kind of mess around on their bikes and hang out. Um, they have a separate night for cars. Um, so I learned a lot about. Uh, drag racing down uh, in the islands and what they have to do to uh, in order just to just to make a pass. I mean, we talk about the travel that we do here, and we've talked with people in Division Six and Division Seven that make long treks. These folks, in order to just get parts, have to have it shipped in from Miami, and um, you know it d- does not make it easy for them. It adds an additional barrier, which is. The Atlantic Ocean, um, you know, in order to go racing. Um, and what they will tell you is that, uh, you know, the drag strip, apparently the the island is 21 miles long and seven miles wide. So, uh, you know, the drag strip almost, uh, you know, runs you into the ocean if you go too far. But what I will tell you is that, um, you know, the, the track itself was pretty nice. It was, uh, you know, concrete barriers, concrete uh, water box. Um, obviously, uh, they don't have to worry about, uh, too much cracking, um, you know, and 
and potholes and things like that that we have to worry about on tracks here in the Midwest. Uh, but uh, they they had a nice a nice facility, and I really enjoyed uh, getting to know some of the guys. And it turns out um, they are prepping for a huge event next year where they are going to have a national event at uh, that, that track there in Nassau. And they're partnering with the Department of Tourism for the Bahamas and all the the major hotels, the Bahamars, the Atlantises of Nassau. And they're going to have a huge national event um, there next week. So they're putting a lot of money into their track. They're putting a, a lot of effort into making drag racing a popular sport down there. And what I'll tell you is they're, they're pretty knowledgeable. Um, they, they certainly knew about uh, all the street outlaw folks. They want to know how I did against those guys. Um, but uh, we had a really nice time. We bench raced. We talked uh, track prep down there. And, um, and I, I really enjoyed my time. Um, at the uh, at the drag strip, the Bahama Hot Rod Association, while I was down there. So, uh, good luck to all those in the BHRA. And if Fast Brackets Nation can help, uh, you know, with your major event next year, please let us know. Um, additionally, if you've ever raced down there or been to that track on vacation, etc., let me know. I'm uh, I'm I'm very curious of what your thoughts were as well. So hit me up at the Facebook page, the Fast Brackets Podcast. You can hit me on Twitter at Fast Brackets, or you know the email address is fastbrackets at outlook.com. Um, really, really curious what you think about that, all that um, because I truly enjoyed it. Additionally, uh, the winter schedule. Let's just let's talk about this. So we're pulling way back. We uh, doing essentially what we do on our cars. We're putting this thing up on jacks. We are, um, you know, doing some maintenance on this thing. Uh, we'll we'll essentially have one episode per month over the the winter um, outside of our, our live episode next week. So check the Facebook and Twitter pages. Just stay on top of that. And then you know if you get bored, uh, rewind some of the some of the episodes that we've had over this first season. All right, we've got a great guest for you today. We're going to bring on Kellen Farmer. He is your PDRA elite top dragster champion. He had an incredible season, and uh, I cannot wait to talk with him. So let's get to it. Do whatever it is you do while you're listening to the show. Uh, Make your commute, clean the shop, do whatever it is you do on maintenance in terms of that. But uh, metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. Guys, girls, next week is PRI, the Performance Racing Industry Show. It's in Indianapolis. This is to drag racers and to racers all across the world. What going to the mall is for teenage girls. Um, it is the best manufacturers from all around the world with the latest and greatest type of products. Um, it's like SEMA, but very, very focused on drag racing or sorry, racing in general. And um, for drag racers, just a very, very cool time. Uh, I I've been doing this for a long time because it's uh, it's close to where I work, downtown Indianapolis. I'm a big, big fan of that. So if you're from out of town, do not hesitate to come to Indianapolis. It is a great setup. 
For those of you that uh, enjoyed it in Orlando, I certainly can understand that. The weather is, is a little nicer there this time of year. That being said, there is everything you could possibly want in downtown Indianapolis, and it's all within a block away. So there are hotels, there are restaurants. You can walk inside. What I always do is I park in the mall parking lot, and it's inside, and then I walk to the convention center, and it's all enclosed, and I never take a jacket. It is, uh, it's, a, it's a nice setup. It is the second largest convention that Indianapolis hosts all year long, and uh, they do a great job of welcoming all of the racers to town. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I am also very excited to do a live show on Friday at 10 a.m. at uh, at the Renegade Fuel Booth. So, you know, on Friday, if you want to come by, just, you know, stop on by the Renegade Fuel Booth. Uh, we'll start about 10 a.m. on Friday. That gives you all day Thursday to mill around and and uh, check things out, get your bearings for the the whole show. And then on Friday, you know, it's not too early. Friday at 10 a.m., you get over there, check us out, and, um, you know, see the action live. See how the sausage is made, so to speak, for this uh, the, the Fast Brackets podcast. Um, the format would be a little bit different. Essentially, it would be all interviews. Um, and then I will likely release the show Saturday morning. So those of you that are not in attendance, you can check it out Saturday morning. Uh, but uh, if you want to get on the show, stop by, say hello, introduce yourself beforehand, and then you know uh, maybe we can squeeze you in. That would be really good. I'm going to try to do as many interviews as we possibly can. Also, I will be at the PDRA and the Midwest Pro Mod Series Pressers on Friday afternoon at 3 and 3.30. So I would love it if you tracked me down and said hello. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be an absolute great time. Um, also I will have the fast bracket nation t-shirts available. These guys, girls, these are great Christmas gifts. Um, they are incredibly soft. They look good. You're going to buy t-shirts anyway. And, um, you know, maybe get something nice to outfit your crew or your crew member that was pretty helpful to you this year. Um, I think they make great get Christmas gifts. And, um, you know, I think they look pretty good. If I don't say so myself, they're, they're 25 bucks shipped. I'll make you a deal if you're um, going to pick them up at the PRI show. Uh, but if you've enjoyed the show, if you're listening right now and you've enjoyed it at all, um, this is a great way to uh, kind of get something uh, token for the, the show's first year. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it this year and certainly the podcasts are free, but uh, this is a good way for uh, us all to uh, appreciate the uh, the nation that we're all in here. So uh, Jimmy Sakovich just won a free shirt for guessing that I was at the Bahamas drag strip. So, so he'll be looking good for Christmas and all of next year. And I think you should as well. So let me know if you're interested. You can hit me up uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the uh, email, no matter what you want however is easiest for you just hit me up and uh, we'll make a deal on some fast bracket nation t-shirts all right let's put it in the beams presented by this is bracketracing.com and bring on your pdra elite top dragster 
world champion. He was on episode one. He started us off on the pod on the Fast Brackets podcast. We gave him some karma. He took it and ran with it and won the entire series. Welcome to the show, Kellen Farmer. Hey, Rex. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. Welcome back. Um, you had a tremendous year this year, um, and uh, I think we wanted to get you back on just to help us understand exactly how your uh, season went and and maybe start with uh, – we talked about it a little bit, so our listeners can go back to episode one and, and hear your backstory and, and learn a little bit about – you know, your season setting up, but take us back to the beginning of the year when you planned the season and kind of how you started the season with that big win. Well, it's good to be back, Rex. Um, I started the season, you know, uh, debutting a new, a brand new race tech chassis, uh, a nitrous setup, and, uh, you know, the, my first race was with it was at Galat this year. Yep. And uh, I started out, I mean, I went testing with it one time. I'd only made a complete pass twice before we loaded up to go race. And, uh, you know, I, that car would run about 390s, like high 90s, at about 177 miles an hour. Uh, and that was a big jump for, for me. I was, uh, I went came from bracket racing, running like 470s at, you know, 140. <laughs> Right. So right in the three nineties and then went and raced. And, you know, I, I kind of thought to myself, Hey, you know, I'm coming out here. I understand. I don't really have the experience these guys have doing this, <laughs> but you know, I, at the end of the day, I was the last man standing and I won the whole race and it changed my entire outlook over, over, you know, PDRA elite top dragster. I was thinking I was the underdog and sure enough, I was leading the points by the end of it. So it was a good start to the year, uh, and that nitrous car, we just steadily kept getting better and better with it, figuring it out more and more and more. So it became a, a pretty deadly weapon going through the season. I mean, I was just knocking them down rounds and rounds and rounds every race I went to. Yeah, that added speed didn't didn't phase you at all, right? You were uh, you got yeah. pretty comfortable pretty quick in that thing. Oh, I got really comfortable. The neat thing about the nitrous setup is it leaves like all your speed and, and all the acceleration is early on. So like at the top end, it's, it's kind of like what I'm used to. It's all the, the G forces off of you. You can look around, you can do what you got to do with the finish line. And, and it, it kind of related better with me with bracket racing, you know, right? With bracket racing, the finish line, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it really worked out, uh, by the Ohio race, which was five races in, I was 550 points ahead of the number two spot. So I, I thought for sure I had the championship just in the bag. And then <laughs> I learned a very valuable lesson about, you know, stringing an, an entire season of drag racing together. It just never is quite that easy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, uh, so kind of to walk through uh the you know i crashed that nitrous car right after that ohio race and that after the after i was okay. at a testing session gotcha so that threw a big wrench in uh my season uh and my pride <laughs> yeah sure but yeah. uh 
Um, so pretty much the Ohio race, I runnered up at the Ohio race, but I only qualified by five thousandths of a second. So I barely made the field. So we we decided, you know, we gotta we gotta spray it harder. We gotta make sure we can get in in the fall. So we upped the jet size. Uh, we took it to Darlington Dragway. They were hosting a nighttime test session to kind of duplicate some of the weather and the and the conditions of the fall, you know, right. which was coming up. Yep. And uh, so we didn't start testing until about nine o'clock. That's when it was just getting dark, and we were making a couple little squirts, like sixty foot, three thirty stuff. I mean, all night. That's all we were doing. All we were doing, and then. You know, we decided, all right, it was about 1230. We decided, all right, it's time. We need to just make one full pass, make sure everything's good to go, and then and this load was, up. This was all uh, with the um, with bigger jets, or did you add a system to it? Uh, just bigger jets. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't add a system. And yeah. So- uh, but well, it was a new it was a new setup for you guys though, right? Like it was a new Yeah, it was a new setup. We yeah. were just trying to you know, we were just making little squirts, making sure, you know, you know, doing some plug checks and making sure we're not hurting anything because yeah. we were already running it pretty hard. <laughs> right, right. So now we're running even harder and we're just kind of making sure everything's going to hold together and it's not going to burn a hole in our wallet. Yep. But uh so you know, that late not many cars were going down the track anymore. We just decided we needed to make one full pass, kind of get some good numbers all the way down. And, you know, uh, I'd made the decision not, not to pull the chute because it's a, qu- it's a quarter-mile drag strip, you know, long shutdown. Uh, and that probably would have saved me. But, you know, I, I let go of the button. Everything was fine at the top end. It, but, I mean, the car got really loose. I mean, really loose. So I kind of had to get it under control before I felt comfortable. I made it through, no problem. But then I had to get it under control before I grabbed the brake pedal and before I could uh, do my clean cut because I was all over the place. I got a good clean cut, grabbed the brake pedal, and it was just like the car was on ice at that point. Uh, It came around, flipped over, and, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. But it rolled twice down the middle of the drag strip, tore it all to pieces, but I came out completely fine, which was the good part. Yeah. And uh, I bruised up my shins a little bit, which just from them bouncing off the dash. But it really just, it hurt the it hurt the pocketbook and my pride more than anything, and I didn't really know what the heck I was going to do. But, yeah, I got really lucky with, uh, you know, Phil Unruh. He, uh, we had just built him a twin turbo dragster this year. It's brand new as well. And he'd been running it, but, you know, he wasn't really chasing points with it. And he has, I think, four race cars. So we asked him if we could borrow his car. And Phil has really nice stuff, too. And this was uh, oh, he, he, top of the line of everything. <laughs> yeah, right. He does not skimp and this, on anything. Um, and you had built that dragster for him. And um, remind me what what motor that has. And I know it's a twin turbo, but I don't remember what size. It's it a five forty. It's a five forty 
uh, I believe it's a Driscoll block. Okay. Or Driscoll built it. Um, but yeah, it, uh, he, we called him. He said he'll think about it. And what was really nice was he called us the next day and he said, you know, Russ, I, I thought about it. And I'm not really doing anything in the points with it anyway, and I've got enough stuff to race. So, yeah, you can borrow it. And I figured whenever I get it back, I'll, it'll be better than when I brought it to you. So, <laughs> right. sure, take it. <laughs> so, that was really nice of him. He, uh, we trailered it, all, trailered it to us. And, uh, then I ran into some other problems with that car was completely different from my nitrous car. And one in the fact it's a twin turbo car. Right. Two, Phil is left-handed, and the switch panel and the delay box were switched. He had okay. He had uh yeah, he had a different shifter. He had a different steering wheel. He had a different dash display. Different shoot packs. I mean, everything about this car was completely different. Oh, and it was a front strut car, which we pretty much locked the front strut up just to kind of take away that. And it had the carbon brakes on it as well, which I was driving to start with, but I, uh, I, I did not like them. I had to change those out. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to change those out. Um, yeah, it's a different but, feel, uh, right? When those things get hot and then they really start pulling, it's a different feel on top end. Yeah. You know, what scared me about them is, uh, or what I just felt uncomfortable about was, you know, I'm driving in the pits and when you're driving in the pits, with those, it's almost like you don't have any brake. Like I'm holding it with all my might and I'm, barely slowing down just in the pits and you know you kind of grab them when you do the burnout to kind of put some heat in them just so you can stage the car it almost won't even hold the car to stage but then you go down to the top end and they're super sensitive right like if you cram them at the top end you're going in the wall right i just didn't want to have any sort of risk or anything like that Yep. and i was already uh a little shaken just from the wreck so I, i changed it back to just what i know yep and uh that was nice, but yeah, it, it was interesting trying to adjust to, to that car. And another thing that made it pretty difficult was he had never really run that car that hard. You know, he's run running NHRA quarter mile, six ten in. I mean, six ten is the cap. So right. he uh, he only was running four oh seven to the eighth mile in that car. Yeah, he's not, not going to cut it in PDRA. Yeah, he's not turning that very hard because you don't yeah. need to. Yeah, he doesn't need to. It's all on the back end. So we were trying our best to figure out what that thing wanted to put down the numbers. And, man, I'm telling you, after wrecking a car, every time I let go of that button, it was going to the wall. <laughs> Just because <laughs> right. we were trying to tune it up and get it settled. And it was an uneasy feeling. <laughs> yeah, so you go from a nitrous car to a twin turbo car. You go yeah. from essentially, um, you know, you've got a, a no front suspension at all to a to a strut suspension on this thing, and then you've got everything in reverse. You've got a backwards yeah. uh, layout, right? And so yeah, it's all yeah. It's I literally had to sit in the car after work. I spent just like 15 minutes i just sit in the car and i just mo- flip switches right flip switches and mess with the delay box and practice clean cuts and practice pulling the seats and just sit there every day until i until i went testing i did that just to try and get my mind 
Because, you know, doing clean cuts and stuff like that and pulling the shoots on the other car, it almost becomes muscle memory. And if I go by a muscle memory shoot, it'll be too late. Right. Right. <laughs> by the time I get it figured out. So, yeah, I had to, I had to kind of relearn what I, what I already knew. Right. But, um, that, that was tough. The the biggest part was the mental part though. Just, you know, getting back in the car, I was, you know, really shaken by the wreck, getting back in the car, you know, getting my mind back into, you know, you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta make it down. You're running for a championship. (laughs) You know, that's, that's really what kept me going. The fact that I was so far ahead in the points, I knew I wasn't going to give this championship up, ship up no matter what. Yeah. So that's what, that's what kept me going, kept me in the car, you know, kept me moving forward. Uh, my nerves got the better of me for only like one or two runs of testing. <laughs> but for the most part, I was able to get in the car and do what I had to do. And and that car did not make it easy. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that, that's yeah. a big that's a big deal coming off a wreck, getting back into the car. And um, I mean, yeah. To be fair, I I still haven't done it, and it's not because I, um, you know, <laughs> hasn't tried. I just I'm putting my car back together, and so I I know yeah. that that's a you know there's some uh, there's some hesitation, but I mean I was, I was kind of go back to Top Gun, you know, get back up there. That's what you're supposed to do. That's who you are. Yeah. And uh, go that's to work. Right. And that's uh, that's that's what you did, right? You just got back at it and figured it out. That's, yeah, it kind of it kind of did suck that I didn't have a little bit more downtime. <laughs> it was so close, you know. And, yeah. and another problem was, you know, I didn't rebuild the nitrous car. Now I'm going from 177 <laughs> miles an hour to 190. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. This thing was running. You know, 385 was my fastest pass in it. We it had a lot more. We just were tr- trying to make it down. But um, this thing, uh, the the problem was tuning it. You know, I I don't have any experience with twin turbos, hardly at all. And my dad has very very little. So we were just kind of going off what we knew, talking to Alan O'Brien, talking to Phil, trying to piece it together and. You know, that car, it just, it was a handful every time I let go of the bus while we were tuning it up until we just, I mean, it took a long time to get that thing figured out. It it was a handful. But, uh, you know, I actually got really lucky this season because uh, that hurricane came through and they canceled the Galat race, the second one, the second Galat race, which would have been the first race after the wreck. And I was nowhere close to ready with that dragster. I mean, I was going to go. We are going to try and make it happen, but we were not ready. And I was, we were trying to get test, test, more testing in and trying to get it all together and get it right. And it just it wasn't happening. Oh, uh, one more. I did forget this. We changed the gearing out. He had a, he had a 366 gear in it, I believe, and we changed it to a 410 gear. Oh, okay. So that didn't, yeah, that didn't help much either with the, with it getting, you know, crazy on me. Yeah, on that on the but, quarter uh, mile stuff, that makes a lot of sense. But because yeah. you've got to qualify and um, in the eighth mile, that yeah, that that change probably picked it up quite a bit. Oh, it did. It the problem is it makes it so aggressive at the bottom end, and that's that's where turbos we learned. That's where turbos struggle is that first hundred feet. That first hundred feet will make or break a turbo car. Yeah. You're either gonna 
I mean, I would either bleed and shake all the way to the shift and the shift at the shift, that's when I'd know. If it shifted and then it just checked up, it, it was going down. But if it shifted and it went to the wall, that was it. You know? Yeah. So it was, it made it very, you know, it was just, it was a sketchy ride, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was a sketchy ride. Uh, so we went, uh, they canceled the Galat race. We got a little bit more testing in. We thought we had it figured out. Um, we thought we had it figured out and we took the car to, I mean, we were ready for the Darlington race, which is the, the seventh race in the eight race series. Right. We went to Darlington. I'm still 550 points ahead. Got a good lead. Brian Bedner was no, number two. Had a good lead. Felt really confident. Knew if I could just go, you know, one or two rounds at Darlington, it was a done deal. Um, we we were testing, and you know, it's kind of funny, man. We we were testing, and every test session, I mean, we were we were laying it down. It, we I think we went three ninety six, three ninety five, and three ninety seven. Okay. Testing. Well, what's so, the sixty foot on something like that? I mean, is it quicker than, uh, or I mean, I would guess it's slower than what your nitrous car was, but. You did pick up some uh, ET, so is it close? Well, the 60-foot is is a little bit slower than the nitrous car, but whenever we started getting it figured out, we were getting the 60 down to about the same as the nitrous car. I had a 967, I think, was my quickest 60-foot in the nitrous car. Okay. The quickest the, on the 385 pass, which was my fastest pass of the twin-turbo car, it was about a... I, I think that was a nine seventy two sixty foot. Yeah, very close. So, you know, it's pretty close, but th- those ET differences are way different. You know, that was a that was a three ninety like a three ninety six pass in the nitrous car, but that was a three eighty five pass in the twin turbo car. You know, right, right. And so you mentioned just, those, you also mentioned that like the nitrous car, it kind of settles down on the top end. That's not what a turbo yeah. car does at all. No, not at all. And actually, when you watch it. It, it almost looks like the first half of the race of the twin turbo car is in slow motion compared to the second half because <laughs> right. it's, it pulls out the back so hard and it made it really tough for me because I'm not used to driving with G force on me, like looking and, and doing what I got to do. Right. So that was really different. You figured um, it out though. You didn't you? Yeah. For the most part I did. I, I got pretty lucky with a couple red lights in the world finals, but yeah, I did, I did get it pretty much figured out. Um, yeah. So but yeah, so you, you and you and the bender are, uh, kind of duking it out at the end. And then how did that all finish up for you? Well, at the Darlington race, we ran into some problems. We tested, we were making good hits, but then in qualifying, it all fell apart. And, uh, we made a mistake with the wheelie bar. The first qualifying hit didn't go down because of that. That then we, we made another mistake. The second qualifying hit with a, a tune-up problem, and it didn't go down. So I left the third qualifying hit, and that was going to be the next morning, which had a three thousand foot air change. Ooh. So then we learned how uh, twin turbos act in good air and they <laughs> struggle uh, maintaining the boost pressure at the starting line. And so 
we did not qualify at Darlington. And that really threw a wrench in our plans and the championship. Sure. We, uh, you know, it, and Brian Bedner, he didn't make it easy on us. I believe he, he either lost in the semifinals or the finals. I can't, I can't quite remember, but I mean, he, he gained a huge jump on me. I mean, I think, yeah, going in the world finals, he, I had a 150 point lead instead of a 550 point lead. Yeah. So he had, yeah, and you can get 500 points for a win, so it was essentially yeah. neck and neck going into that Yeah, final it was event. close. It was close, and uh, because of that, I almost – I mean, I pretty much had it in the bag, and that happened, and now there were four, uh, four guys that had the possibility of winning the title in the finals. It was me, Jody Stroud, Nick Hamilton, and Brian Bedner. We all had a chance at it, and – uh it, you know, we just, me and Brian were messaging back and forth and he said, yeah, it's just going to be a shootout for it. And I said, that's what it's going to be. So we, we showed up and we had, a, we had our ducks in a row this time and we had that thing figured out. We were running, you know, three eighties now, three eighty six, uh, three eighty five, pretty consistently. Yeah, you weren't going to not qualify in the last event. <laughs> no, I wasn't at all. I was, <laughs> yeah. was going to make it difficult for him. Right. So, uh, you know, we're rolling up, and I find out Brian Bedner has a bye run the second round. So <laughs> that was nice. He has, uh, his man broke on him. I don't remember who he had. He broke. So he had a bye run. So that was a little uneasy. And my guy went red, so I got lucky second round that's where the action happened so hamilton and stroud they got knocked out first round so it was just me and bedner yep and uh i was staged well i was uh right behind bedner in line to run so he was right in front of me i was in the water box behind him and i saw his red light bulb come on and the wind light in the other lane, and I was celebrating before I even did my burnout. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was the biggest sigh of relief I think I've ever had. Just all the stress and hard work, and you know, conquering my nerves and all that, just to get back in the car and win the championship, and realizing at that moment that I had done it. That was shoot. That was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's incredible and a good position to be in, right? To be able to watch it happen in front of you, um, yeah. And not have to, you know, wonder. Uh, you you could see it right in front of your face. That's uh, that's good stuff. Well, oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, well, congrats. I mean, it sounds like just a, essentially just a ho hum uh, season for you. Then no big deal. Just uh, start, win, you know, win, win, win the championship. No big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wreck a couple race cars in the middle and. Uh, Another another funny thing that happened, I, I almost cut the tips of my pointer fingers off as well whenever I was working on a – I was using a polishing wheel at work, polishing a piece of metal, and I ripped it out of my hands and almost took the tips of my fingers. So I was actually racing – at Tarlington, I was racing with both my pointer fingers held straight out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, it, yeah, it was a season of just – big highs and big lows for me <laughs> yeah no that's that's great stuff i mean and I, I think you know lots of times we look back and we look at somebody who wins a championship and we go oh well 
yeah, you know, good for them. They had good equipment or that, you know, worked out well for them or they drove. I mean, most of the time it is a complete battle. It's a complete war and you've gone through all the highs and lows of a season. And that's what kind of makes it enjoyable. But, you know, when you look back, you can go, not only did I win, but that championship trophy kind of encapsulates all the hard work and the hardships and the, the perseverance that I had over the season. Yeah, I definitely made the mistake of thinking, wow, I pretty much got this in the back right at Ohio. <laughs> right. You know, I pretty much, I made that mistake early. <laughs> right. And fate threw me for a loop. No, you, you yeah. did a nice job recovering and, um, you know, certainly congratulations to you and, and, uh, you've got a bright, bright future ahead of you. If you can, uh, keep that mindset of just, Hey, you know, we got to earn it every time out. But, uh, well, I do have a question yeah, for you. So you've, uh, you know, you, you've driven the nitrous car and now you've got your, uh, you know, you got to feel these twin turbos. What do you like? What, uh, what does it, what does it look like for next season for you now? Man, I got to say my heart's with the nicer setup. Okay. All right. The only problem is I, in PDRA, I am worried about qualifying. It is just, I, I feel like it just takes big bucks, man, a lot of money to run a nicer setup and qualify in yeah. PDRA. So I will probably be switching. We're still, we still haven't, you know, 100% decided what we're going to do yet. We're still kind of tossing it up in the air with, you know, our plans so none of it's set in stone um but the plan right now is looking into a pro charger deal okay. or something along those lines so uh that that could change tomorrow who knows but <laughs> yeah as of right now we are looking at a boost setup either probably probably leaning towards a pro charger just because it, it just seems the most like the most economical way to go fast right um the twin turbos, though, were a lot of fun. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. Whenever you started get, whenever I started getting the hang of them, and I saw how that car, I mean, whenever we started, you know, starting to dial it in and and get the tune ups right, it would it would repeat really well. It it pretty much did exactly what I thought it was going to do. You know, every time I let go of the button, when we got it figured out, and I didn't really get it figured out till the world finals. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something, but you got it just in time, though. Yeah, just in time, nick of time. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. And um, Kellen, appreciate you coming on, walking us through your championship season. Um, appreciate you being the very first uh, guest on the show, and uh, you know, wish you the best of luck um, putting your setup together over the winter and next year. Yeah, man. It's always great to be on this show, Rex. Anytime you need me, just give me a call and I'll come back. You got it. You got it. That was the champ, the PDRA elite top dragster champion, Kellen Farmer. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Like it always is, if you need legal help or a legal tune-up, get with Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. He can help you. Um, we, As you know, there were no 
events over the last week or so. Our season is wrapped up, but I do want to talk about a couple people who got really nice wins. First of all, Jeff Taylor wins $50,000 at the SFG Big Fun event in Tucson, Arizona. If you know, Jeff was on episode number 27, so if you don't know him, go back and uh, pull that episode up and and hear all about what Jeff Taylor does. But he wins fifty grand in his top dragster that he normally carts across the country to run Division One top dragster in. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, congrats to Jeff Taylor showing the bracket racers that the top dragster guys can get it done as well. Um, keeping that in mind, our guy Darian Bosch wins a, a couple bracket races. He was on episode number eight. He is uh, the best. He doubled up in quick and super pro at No Problem Raceway uh, last week. He's got that blower car, and it went a bunch of rounds and got just as many wind lights, showing that uh, our top dragster guys are drivers and not sand wedges, uh, like so many people kid us about that. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Taylor and Darian Bosch showing the bracket world uh, what uh, the top dragster guys can do going at, uh, you know, being great drivers at high speed. So the other thing we need to talk about is Ryan Martin in his fireball Camaro wins the no prep Kings championship. Uh, congrats to him. We don't talk a lot about the no prep world, obviously, but, uh, but you know, that championship is nine races. I think Ryan said he went through 33 States to get there, uh, broke a lot of parts, fixed a lot of parts. You know, it takes a lot of willpower and guts, just like, um, you know, just like Kellen Farmer was talking about. There are highs and lows in the season, and at the end, if you can and you can get that trophy and and say that you were the best of the best at the end of the season, it's a big, big deal and, and makes it all worth it. Um, additionally, all our guys from the Bahamas know everyone from the No Prep King. So, I mean, I say – you know, it, it's doing its job. It's helping racing in general, and um, and I'm all for it. Even though that's that's really not where uh, most of us fall on the scale, but uh, you know that it does help the word out and keeps it marketing. I mean, my guy Sherman, he said he loves the Fireball Camaro, so I know he's happy right now. Uh, so congrats to Ryan Martin, congrats to Sherman in the Bahamas, and congrats to Jeff Taylor and Darian Bosch. Whoa, let's get out of the groove just a little bit and talk motorcycles. And I never do this, but uh, we have to talk about it this week. Larry Spider-Man McBride going 550s in a quarter mile on a top fuel bike. Um, He goes 550 at 264 miles an hour on that monster, uh, just monstrosity that he uh, straddles. You know, he went 560 at 263 miles an hour last month to set the world record and then came back a month later and backed it up with a tenth off that time and another mile per hour. So 550 at 264 miles an hour without a cage, sitting on top of a of a top fuel motor, essentially. Congrats to... 
Larry, the Spider-Man McBride, you crazy SOB. Um, wow. Um, that is not how I roll, but uh, for those that you guys that do, nicely done. Um, also, now the groove, we got to talk about this a little bit. So Ford versus Ferrari came out. Uh, maybe some of you guys have watched that movie. It is about the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, it is a very, very cool movie. Um, you've got uh, Matt Damon and uh, our guy from Batman, uh, Christian Bale, in there that uh, that play uh, Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. Um, and, and for those of you guys that know me, know that uh, I don't know much about road racing at all, and I'm decidedly not a Ford historian. Uh, but this movie is about the mentality of a racer. We've got Ken Miles going broke racing. I don't know if that rings a bell to anybody, but uh, that's what he does. Um, at the 11th hour, gets uh, reconnected with Carol Shelby, um, and and then off they go making history at the 24-hour of Le Mans. And it, it's just a neat movie talking about just the mentality it takes to be a good race car driver and uh, work on these things like we do. Um, certainly there are some technical mistakes, um, but uh, the attitude and the toughness that these guys had was incredible, and uh, I really enjoyed watching it for that reason. Um, I say there are very, very few movies being made out there today being pushed for the public consumption. Um, the other one is called The Art of Racing in the Rain. I don't know how that has anything um, mechanically involved at all, but but I say we need to embrace the mechanical flaws and all and support and enjoy the few racing movies that are out there so they keep making them. As we hit the mile per hour cone this week, uh, we need to talk about what is going to take up uh, and, and keep us occupied over the winter when it's snowing, raining, et cetera, on all our tracks, and that is practice tree racing um, and I want to talk specifically about the second annual Let Go Triple O Showdown Practice Tree Race. That is January 25th in Northfield, Ohio. That is presented by Jim Feaster. If you want to know all about that, go check out Jim Feaster on his Facebook page and you can see the Let Go Triple O Showdown Practice Tree Race. Um, 100% of the proceeds for this thing go to the Children's Tumor Foundation. Uh, last year, they donated over $2,200, and they're hoping to increase it this year. Uh, so, I, you know, we're going to be doing this stuff anyway. We might as well do it for a good cause. They have a couple different classes you can enter and double enter. And there's even an entry uh, to the SFG Million Dollar event next year. So good cause good race um, if you're in anywhere close to ohio on the last weekend in january get uh, with jim feaster on his facebook page and check out the let go triple o showdown practice tree race all right let's bring it back in and take the stripe guys girls that is the show it is time to pull the shoots on episode number 32 Look up. There it is. There's the wind light. Producer Rob, right on time, is playing the greatest song of all time. 
that beautiful Laura Brain again playing Gloria. Special thanks to our guest this week, Kellen Farmer, the champ, for coming on. Next week, come see me at PRI at 10 a.m. at the Renegade Fuels booth. I'm real excited to do that. Um, I'm so fired up about PRI, actually. Um, guys, girls, tell your like-minded, fast bracket friends about the show. There's so, still some people out there that have not heard, and they are missing out. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or on that Purple iTunes podcast app. Um, or hit me on Twitter, at Fast Brackets, the Fast Brackets podcast page on Facebook. I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Remote show next week. Yeah, we're going to give it a rip again at PRI. I'm uh, really, really excited. And I mean, it's like it's like candy store, man. It's like a candy store for drag racers. You know, you never made it in broadcasting until you've been banned from a live event. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> that's what I hear. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs>